Hello and welcome to episode three of Simply Mr. Hayes, the podcast. Here we share ideas, experiences, and resources to help other educators. I'm your host, Eric Hayes. You may have seen me on Twitter at the handle Mr. Underscore Hayes or read my blog, Simply Mr. Hayes. In this episode, I interview Megan Kelly, a vice principal and self-described edtech nerd. She shares tips for working from home and her new webinar series. All right, so I am here with the wonderful uh, Megan Kelly. Uh, you may have heard about Megan Kelly from her website, iHeartEDU. Is that correct? Correct. Okay, and she's also currently doing some webinars. Tell us a little bit about that. Absolutely. So um, this is something I've been wanting to do for a while and just didn't have the kind of time and mental bandwidth to put them together, but this time right now I do. Um, and it's a great time to be able to support educators. But basically, I'm going to start hosting uh, webinars each month through iHeartEDU on our Facebook and our YouTube channel. Um, these webinars for this month specifically are going to be focused on um, kind of distance learning and some different instructional strategies and technology tools that can be used to support teachers and students through this process. So that's where we're going this month. It's not just me. It's not just my face. I'm trying to get a lot of different people on there to talk and share ideas, so um, stay tuned for more on that. Great. Um, so I invited you to participate in this episode because I know you have quite a bit of experience working from home, you are very knowledgeable with technology, you have flipped your classes, but instead of me telling everyone about your experience, tell us a little bit about, about your experience and how this kind of is helping you make the transition to distance learning. So I have been in education for 13 years. Um, I've been in elementary, middle, and high school, private, charter, and public. Um, and then I spent a little bit of time working for an educational technology company. And when I was working with them, I was working from home. Um, so for me, it's kind of like uh, putting an old pair of shoes back on and jumping back into something that I did for a while um, and just working from home and, um, you know, working with people from a distance. So currently I am a vice principal in my district. So while I am not uh, teaching students and doing distance learning, like with any students, I'm doing a lot of training to support teachers in their distance learning. Um, so that's kind of what my role has been and is now and kind of what I'm doing to help teachers with their distance learning. So to follow up with that, what do you see are the challenges that you have experienced and are helping teachers through and, and kind of setting up maybe a one's home office or working from home? So I think probably there's a couple different things here. Um, one, when you think about working from home, I think the separation from work gets a lot harder. So I have noticed myself even recently getting back into the old habits of working a little, maybe a lot longer and later into the night than I normally would do just because it's there and the office is there, whereas before when my office is at school, I've done a decent job of kind of not working from home as much. Um, not great, because I'm not a great life work-life work, work -life balance person, but um, a little bit better than I was. Um, so that's one thing that I think is gonna be hard for most people is that feels to um, respond to emails all the time uh, because everybody's remote. I would say in terms of teachers, one of their biggest challenges right now is just kind of figuring out what are the best instructional strategies and tools to 
help students learn from a distance. Um, so there's kind of that personal and that instructional struggle. Um, personally figuring out how do you balance uh, working from home with kids. Because I will say for me, one thing that is very different is we, when I was working from home, I did have a sitter that was watching my daughter. Whereas now, um, my husband and I are quite balancing the watching a two-year-old with two full-time jobs. Um, and then there is that instructional piece of just figuring out what is best for kids, what's going to work, and what's going to most meet those needs for all students from a distance. And, and I love that advice because uh, I know when I started this radical year, I reached out to you because I was struggling immensely with kind of not having an imposed schedule. I was having to create my schedule. So you had to give me some ideas. So when it comes to organization and creating a schedule, what are some things that you have found that works? So I kind of live and die by my Google calendar at this point. Um, that is the, yeah, that is the way that I survive. And I know Eric, I've been very much like, Hey, if you need to meet with me, I'm going to send you my, you can book me, um, book me. And then that way it puts it on my calendar because otherwise I'll totally get wrapped up in something else that I'm working on some projects or something that I'm trying to get out, uh, and produce for teachers or to support students in some way that before I know it, hours will have gone by and I will have not, you know, responded to something because I'm working on something else. So I live and die by my Google calendar. Uh, that is a big place and I use you can book me for teachers or others to be able to book time with me and it syncs up with my Google calendar. Um, one thing that I also did when I was working from home, when I had a little bit more of a consistent weekly schedule, whereas right now it's not as consistent, there's a lot of differences and a lot of changes that come each week. But when I was on a very consistent week-to-week -week schedule, which I think would work well for teachers, is I had goals for myself on each day. So Monday, I had to have this stuff done. Tuesday, these things had to be accomplished. Something for each day. And I just had that, I think, in a Google Doc. And that was kind of my guide for the week, just so I could pace everything out. Uh, and that, and I, it, it sounds really simple. And I know when you first told me that, I was thinking, okay, really, the setting, to be honest, I was thinking really yeah. goals, but I found when I finally did it, it really gave me direction. Now, what I did was, was kind of like have weekly goals instead of daily goals, because um, I'm not as organized as yours, too. <laughs> but, um, you know, without the goals, I noticed a complete difference in how I was spending my time and I wasn't getting much done. So I, I, I think that's a great idea. And I really appreciate that suggestion. I think our listeners will as well. Uh, tell me a little bit more about You Can Book Me because at first I thought you were joking when you told me I needed to book with you. And then <laughs> it wasn't a joke. <laughs> it was <laughs> it's actually a website called youcanbook.me and it's amazing. Uh, it is, like I said, it syncs with my Google Calendar. It's basically a scheduled and it's set in half hour increments so that people can go in. And if I have something on my calendar already, it blocks it out. And then if there is open space on my calendar, it keeps it open to where people can click on that time, put in their name, what the meeting is for, and then it adds it to my calendar so that I know that we, that I'm meeting with someone during that time. That's awesome. What, what's the cost on, on the user? So one that I have is free. Um, sometimes I think about paying for the paid option just because then I could sync two calendars together which would probably be kind of nice because I um, sometimes wear like two hats. I've got my day-to-day -day life as vice principal and that's on one calendar. And then I've got my 
personal life because I do put all my you can book me open hours like on weekends and sometimes a little bit into the evening but sometimes there's things on my personal calendar either from my personal life or my side hustles that uh, take up time as well okay. so that would be a paid feature um, right now I'm using it for free and it does everything that I need it to do and I can test that it works because that's how I book this time with you yep exactly <laughs> So now let's go back to, um, you know, you mentioned that you and your role as vice principal, you're supporting teachers and, you know, I imagine it's a struggle for, for everyone, right? You know, in your district, what's, what, what are some of the things that you're seeing as you're moving, helping teachers move to distance learning? I'm very, very fortunate to be in a district and a site that has been one-to-one -one Chromebooks for um, almost six years now. So the technology piece for, um, I would say a lot of the teachers is not a new situation. Um, our students all have Chromebooks that are in secondary. Our elementary students do, and those just recently got passed out to the kids in a very safe and sanitary way, because um, normally our elementary ones stay at the school sites. Um, so for our secondary kids, they already had their Chromebooks. Uh, they probably, I would say most of the teachers um, are already on Google Classroom, and if not, then they have some sort of other website that they share information to. So for them, it's just changing their instructional practices and what it looks like from day to day. Um, so that's a big change because what we uh, have to expect from kids at this point cannot be what we would expect from them on a normal week. So we can't expect for them to complete the same work that they would do on a normal week um, at home just because there's not always the supports there. And we also don't know what these families are going through at home right now. Um, we might have many kids that are in the secondary age level that are babysitters for siblings right now, and they may not have as much time as they normally would to be able to work on these assignments. Um, so we have to think of those different socioeconomic factors and when it comes to our planning. And, and I really appreciate you mentioning that because I think the, one of the challenges has been is adjusting our expectations and at times maybe not recognizing that uh, we have to uh, not use, uh, um, not assign as much work, or if a parent communicates or student communicates with us and says, hey, I can't handle this, you know, this isn't, this isn't a necessary excuse. I mean, our, we don't know the situation with our students and it's a very Correct. time right now. So I like that you're doing that, you're showing that consideration. Yeah, and I think our teachers have been very considerate of that too, because that was actually one of the first things that they mentioned when we started talking about distance learning is that this can't look the way that it would normally look on a day-to-day -day basis. Um, so we've got really great teachers in our district and in our sites that are very student-centered in what they've been planning. So what are some um, tools or resources that you have used? Because I know you use a, a flip model. And when mm -hmm. I was moving to that direction as a math teacher, I had reached out to you, you were one of the first ones, and so you gave me a, a wealth of things, Ed Puzzle being mm -hmm. one of those things, which I'm forever grateful for. Um, so what are the things that you've tried that are tried and true that you are kind of recommending and helping teachers use? So my background is in math, so um, kind of when I talk about that, it'll be kind of with that frame of mind. So but I did do a flipped classroom, yeah. <laughs> so I did do a flipped classroom approach, and I always said there was kind of like four easy steps to creating it. Um, first was creating a presentation. Um, the second one was recording that presentation. And normally I use something like uh, Screencastify to record it. Then I would upload it to Edpuzzle to add questions to check for 
understanding um, because that makes it just to where kids aren't only taking in the information and just kind of mindlessly copying it down. It requires them to listen and then respond to those questions. And then they had to share it out, so that's the fourth step. But flipping the classroom was a big one that I did a lot. Um, I use Google Forms a lot for quick uh, formative feedback. So a lot of our skills assignments would be in Google Forms because they could get real-time feedback on that and um, even put in short answers that would be automatically graded and send them back their results. Um, a lot of our, it really depends on the subject area and what teachers are using right now. Um, I know a lot of teachers are using Meet and Zoom to conduct meetings with uh, students. Uh, and again, depending on the subject area, teachers might be using something like Moby Max or Khan Academy. Um, some teachers are creating stuff. Uh, we're a GC, G Suite school district, so a lot are creating their own materials in Google Docs or Google Slides to share with students. Um, there's just a variety of different tools out there. So if there's any advice that I could give, it would be that you need to think about first, what do you want to do? Um, how do you want to do it? What's best for kids? And then think about the tool. So always think instructionally first and then find the tool that fits that. And I, and just to add to that, I, I remember, I believe it was you, maybe I'm giving you credit for this, but uh, you told me to, to not get overly complicated when I was doing it. I think for a while, I actually had been using a couple of your videos because I wasn't comfortable making my own videos, which you have that feature in it at Puzzle for those who use it and already know about it. Um, so what are some other things that you uh, are doing? I, I feel like you had, had talked about breakout rooms at one point through Zoom. Um, and I know if that's right. that, that could be used. How are you using that? So we did um, a lot of webinars last week. It was our distance learning week last week, and we did different uh, groups. So we basically created, I think it was eight PD sessions, and then sent them out via Google Calendar to teachers that they could join if they wanted to. It wasn't required. It was totally optional, because we don't want to overwhelm anybody. Um, but that was the way that we were trying to support teachers. So we had someone flipping the classroom, some on learning how to use Meet. We had some on HyperDocs and SEL and RTI strategies, um, different things that teachers could pop into and then they could um, listen to and then um, take that into their distance learning plan. Love it, love it. So I am not gonna leave here without asking more about the webinars. I know a lot of people are probably getting a lot of emails um, and they're like, oh, another webinar, yay! Uh, but I don't know which one to choose. I'm gonna put a plug in for yours because I know you do quality stuff. And tell Thanks. us about what's on the what's on the schedule for your webinars. Yeah, so we just did Meet versus Zoom yesterday. So that is live on YouTube and Facebook that you can watch that now. Um, today, the amazing Melissa King and uh, Marilyn McAllister are going to do um, hyperdocs and weekly plans. And then later this week, uh, Jen Calderon, also amazing, is going to do one on Google Forms. Um, and then I think next week, we're gonna do a Flipping the Classroom one. And then there was one, ePortfolios is the other one. Um, so then that's the next two weeks. And then after that, we've got some more coming up and some different people we're going to ask to speak. So hopefully I can snag you to be a guest at some point on our webinars as well. Oh, okay, well, I'll have to figure out something. Not, not to bring the level down. <laughs> <That's>, <laughs> and so this, 
all started, um, so you're talking about today, um, April 6th, and so you started, the first webinar was um, April 5th, yes? Correct, okay. exactly. So brand new, we'll see where it goes, and hopefully it can provide some help to other teachers. And so let's say I, I missed the live, um, I think maybe Barry talked about it, but if I missed the live, um, or I didn't get to hear this podcast, and it's, you know, weeks yes. later, so where do I go, where can I go to find these webinars? So three different places. First, you could go to i-hard-edu.com. Um, the most recent blog post has the links in there. Or you could go to YouTube and look for Megan Kelly. Um, or you can go to Facebook and find iHeartEDU's Facebook page. All of those will have it on there. Well, thank you. Thank you very much for the work you're doing. I think it's great that you're providing this resource and helping teachers. Um, are there any other things that you see or pressing or a pressing need that you're like, you know, I want teachers to, to know this and it can be our concluding remarks then. You know, I think the biggest thing I would want anyone to take away during distance learning is the idea of um, giving grace to everyone in the situation um, because it's a lot of learning for teachers and it's a lot of learning for students. So I think that if we give grace to each other and keep students focused, our students centered, um, so give grace to each other, keep students first, I think we'll be on the right track. Well, thank you very much. appreciate you talking to me and, and answering these questions. And um, yeah, go check out her webinar and look at i-heart-edu, yes? Yep. Great. Lots of great resources. You had great resources before all this happened and you're releasing even more. So thank you very much for what you're doing for educators. Thank you for having me. All right. Awesome. Well, that's a wrap. Thanks for listening to our show. We know there are hundreds of thousands of podcasts out there, and yet you chose us. If you like what you heard, please subscribe to this podcast and stay tuned to our next episode.